West Virginia, there are so many things that, that sort of come with that. You develop and, and understand the importance of respecting others and just, you know, the basics of decency and, and how you interact. You, you tend to value things that are um, good for kind of the, the, a greater good, not just a small group. Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Mountaineer Media Podcast, and who you just heard from was Wes Bush. He's a chairman for Northrop Grumman, one of the largest defense manufacturers in the world. We spoke with he and his wife, Natalie Bush, who's a healthcare advocate and chairs the WVU School of Nursing Advisory Board as well. Very insightful and really inspirational conversation that we had with the two. Cooper and I enjoyed that very much. But as we've been doing here to begin these episodes over the last couple of weeks, we're going to continue to introduce you to some of our bloggers and talk about some of the things that they've been publishing over on mountaineermedia.org. Today, we've got Johnny McFadden. He's got an article out right now, State of the State's cannabis industry talking about medicinal marijuana in west virginia okay johnny well what is the state of the state's medicinal marijuana industry are we getting closer to having medicinal available in west virginia well the answer to that is certainly yes we're getting closer the state of the state's industry is always going to be directly related to policy and so uh, that's what i talk about a lot in the article on the state level governor justice came out and basically gave a a soft support for recreational on the federal level. The U.S. Senate is in February. They announced that they are going to introduce sweeping cannabis reform on that level. So it's a very exciting time in the industry, and it's all about big policy that's that's taking place on the state level and the federal level. So it's really exciting stuff. And Johnny, I saw you, and what's up, Mountaineer Media Podcast fans, Cooper here. Um, you know, I saw you, you know, of course, we follow each other on social media. I saw you tweeting about the fact that Virginia actually is moving to, you know, legalize marijuana to a degree. And I, I think I tend to most notice this or pay attention to it when, when I think about it at a macro level, like, man, that really puts us at a disadvantage if states around us are being progressive in, in developing their industry, because what's that going to mean? Businesses are just going to simply move to where it's at and, you know, we're going to miss out on that. How much of that do you kind of keep your eye on when you when you look at the, the whole industry in general? Well, to answer your question, I do follow all the states very closely because <laughs> every state's different. And that's right. how the industry is now. I mean, you can go to one state and a state directly adjacent to it could have completely different, even if they both have legal cannabis, it can be completely different industries. And you still can't do interstate commerce in between mm-hmm. those states. So every state's policy is if you live in that state more important than even federal policy virginia their legislature just passed a full legalization bill that's full legal adult use recreational whatever you want to call it okay and now it just goes to the governor for him to sign it, governor northam of virginia that's his okay. it's been his biggest legislative priority this session so i'm always cautious when saying cannabis is now legal in virginia right. but it's basically cross that threshold where you can say, yes, it's happening. It's officially happening. There is a bill, House Bill 2291, right now going through, you know, the West Virginia legislature legalizes cannabis production, sales and adult consumption, possession, and you break down where the taxes on medical marijuana sales would go. And you kind of like this bill, right? Why not? It legalizes uh, legalizes adult use cannabis. So so I love it as a as an advocate who you know wants to stop people going to jail. I mean, when we put people in jail for cannabis related, nonviolent cannabis related crimes, we all pay for it. You know, counties have bemoaned their jail bill many many times. My county, you know, for sure. I'm sure other counties as well. And it's time to stop putting people in jail. And we know that enforcement has been dealt along lines of race and socioeconomic status. And it's wrong and it needs to be righted. And the time is now for legislators to start working on it. Are we going to turn down money? Or are we, we going to turn down jobs? I hope not. You would hope not. And folks listening, if you want to deep dive into this, we actually had Johnny on the podcast earlier in the year. Yep. Uh, it's episode 25. And for those listening, Johnny's the community outreach coordinator for Mountaineer Integrated Care. And in that episode, we really get into some of the, the nitty gritty details of the industry, of stigmas, of West Virginia culture. And, you know, Johnny is someone who I truly appreciate his perspective because 
you know, young people, it's like, oh, like marijuana, that's all they talk about. Okay, we're advocating it at first for medical use. We're trying to improve patient outcomes, patient advocacy. And I say, we, well, yeah, I should have said Johnny, Mountain Integrated Care, that's not us. But we're certainly on that side because West Virginia is hurting and anything that alleviates some of that pain, death, and destruction that is crippled the West Virginia culture is a good thing. Mountaineermedia.org is where you can read Johnny's latest article. But Johnny, we appreciate the work that you do for us and the work that you do for West Virginia. Thanks, guys. Thanks again to Johnny for hopping on with us. And before we get to the interview, we from Mountaineer Media want to pass on our best wishes to everyone experiencing tough times, not just in West Virginia, but really all throughout the region between the thrash of winter storms, severe flooding, and of course the pandemic. We ask you keep everyone in this part of the country in your mind and in your prayers as well. All right, guys, so let's get to this week's focus here on the podcast. And if you want to talk about a power couple that's from the Mountain State, well, look no further than Natalie and Wes Bush. Wes is the former CEO and current chairman of Northrop Grumman, one of the world's largest defense manufacturers. And he's also a director for a small company you may have heard of, General Motors. Yeah, and his better half, Natalie, has spent over a decade advocating for mental health and chairs the WVU School of Nursing Advisory Board and also co-chairs the Johns Hopkins University School of Nursing Advisory Board. All right, so clearly these two are highly, highly accomplished people. And while we do speak about things like space, technology, engineering, the future of business, mental health, COVID, healthcare, we also talk about their pride in West Virginia, the people, the culture, their upbringing, where they went on their first date. So it was a wonderful, wonderful conversation. We were honored to have them on the podcast. So let's get to it right now. The podcast is presented, of course, by Mr. B, the only chip manufactured in West Virginia, Mace hit the music. The uh, sun does not always shine in West Virginia, but the people always do. Okay, everybody, welcome into another edition of the Mountaineer Media Podcast. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. And let's kind of get going here. We've got Wes and Natalie with us today. Our first um, four, two-person interview. <laughs> we've got uh, all four boxes on the Zoom chat here. That's the first time we've ever had anything like this. But guys, maybe you guys can take us back a little bit. West Virginia Podcast here. What are some of your earliest memories of West Virginia? Take us back to some of those early days and, and talk to us a little bit about what the Mountain State did, you know, as, as, as uh, you were growing up and, and what that was like for you guys. Hi, this is Natalie. I'll kick things off. Um, <laughs> good morning. Yeah. <laughs> good morning. Um, I've got such fond memories of growing up in West Virginia and Morgantown was my home, but I had family in other parts of the state. So I had an opportunity to go to lots of different places and develop a real love of being outside and all the natural beauty that West Virginia has to offer. But I also think I had a chance to develop an appreciation for the people of West Virginia, um, the really good people of West Virginia, the values that they have, and just how connected the folks there are to the land in West Virginia. So I think those are some of my most important memories. How about you, Wes? Yeah, West, like, so, I mean, it, and to your point, Natalie, it does feel like West Virginia, it almost like being outside is almost just a, uh, it almost feels like that's home. Like you go and you breathe the fresh air in West Virginia, it just feels like, ah, like I've returned back to a place I'm familiar with. But yeah, how about you, Absolutely. Yeah, there, there is something about the natural beauty in West Virginia that is distinct. I mean, you know, when you get a chance to get out and travel around the world, you see a lot of really pretty places. Um, places, you, you know, you'd love to go and, and spend time outdoors. But I think for both Natalie and I, there's just something about West Virginia. When you're there, you know, it's the mountains, the water, the green. Mm -hmm. It just, it comes together in a way that is, is very unique. And, I, you know, for both of us, it clearly cemented just an absolute love of the outdoors. And it's been that way for our family. I mean, we, we do 
basically everything we can outdoors. We love to hike. We love to camp. We go fishing. We go hunting. If it's outdoors, we're going to do it. And mm -hmm. that's all from our West Virginia backgrounds. And, you know, it, 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 I think it adds a dimension to your life that unfortunately a lot of folks I think miss, you know, if, if you're, and, and you know, during this COVID time, I think it's even amplified it. If you're, if you're stuck inside all the time and you're not connected to the natural world, you're just missing a big part of life. And, you know, and, and as the years go by and I reflect back on, you know, those experiences as a young person, it, it's clear to me now, but it was even clear to me then. I always felt lucky to be a young person in West Virginia. It's just mm -hmm. a great place. And, and Wes, to your point about uh, being outside, you know, we're all from, we all, I'm, CJ and I are not from Morgantown, but we've spent our, uh, you know, four or five years in Morgantown. Mm -hmm. You experience all four seasons in West Virginia, probably every day. Um, <laughs> yeah, and when you guys are, you know, walking to class in Morgantown, you know, you had the snow and, and the rain. What, where was it when you were going, did you guys meet in at school at WU or you guys, you're both from the area? Did you meet there or where was it that you guys kind of maybe first got connected? I'll let Wes tell this story. Uh, <laughs> we met at a place that's very special to us in Morgantown. It's it's no longer there. Okay. Uh, and I'm not sure if it was there when you guys were in, in college, but uh, Chico's Dairy, a little ice cream shop. Oh, yeah. And Natalie was, I'm about three years older than Natalie. So I, I at that point, I was off to college. Natalie was uh, just graduating from high school and I was back visiting and uh, went to Chico's Dairy and Natalie was working there. And that's where we met. It, it took us okay. a, a long time after that before we got married because, uh, you know, we were both uh, working on college and education and I ended up moving out to California for a job and working our way through nursing school. But uh, that was where we met and that's where it all got started for us. Over a scoop of banana ice cream. Scoop <laughs> of banana ice cream. Like, like every great relationship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's what's cool about your all story is that you met early on. And we, we weren't 100% sure about when you guys met before the interview. But life did take you into two different avenues, down two different avenues. Maybe, you know, Natalie, you can walk us through you going to nursing school. And then, Wes, you can tell us a little bit about moving out west. And then ultimately how you guys ultimately ended up back together. Yeah. Um, well, I went to WVU and I didn't start out in nursing. I started out in engineering. And one of the great things about WVU is it's, it's such a special place. And the engineering program I was in, when you were a sophomore, you were paired with a senior engineering student and actually did hands-on job placement. Um, and when I started doing that, I realized, oh my gosh, I am just not cut out to work in a mechanical kind of plant and do these types of things all day. I'm the kind of people person mm -hmm. that um, I enjoy the helping aspect of things. So uh, WVU has so many different options and I was able to shift into nursing and got a fantastic education um, that was really ahead of its time. So many of my professors there had a community-based focus where people were at the center of their work and specifically the people of West Virginia and helping. So that tie in with the WBU being a land grant university and a very special focus with the School of Nursing and the care for the people there. It just gave me a foundation to launch off into the world. Um, even today when I'm working with different schools of nursing. I marvel at the, the special education that I got at WVU. Wow. Yeah. And then, so Wes, you were actually, so you stuck with engineering, right? So you, you, you enjoyed engineering. You left the state and it went to MIT, correct? I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, it, this was, uh, you know, back in the dark ages, the time before the internet. Um, <laughs> so Virginia and, and heading off to Boston, uh, it was a little intimidating, yeah. Sure. You know, not not quite knowing what Boston would be like, and and uh, not knowing what MIT would be like. Um, but there were there were a number of things from West Virginia that really helped me make that transition. First, I got a phenomenal high school education in Morgantown. It it, it you know I, I often think back on kind of how how I you know arrived at MIT, and it was. Um, clear to me early on that, you know, my writing skills, my uh, ability to think critically about a problem, 
all those things that kind of get ingrained in you, especially in, in your high school years. I felt really fortunate to have, to have gone to a high school that, that really focused in on that. And then to the, to the, the credit of the folks at the high school, at that time, uh, things are different now, of course, but at that time, they did not offer calculus at Morgantown mm -hmm. High School. <laughs> but they called the folks over at WVU and asked if I could go take calculus when I was in high school at WVU. And I'll be eternally grateful to WVU for allowing me to do that because I would have been <laughs> I would have been dead in the water at MIT in my first semester if I if WVU hadn't have taught me calculus. So I, I was I was really, really fortunate. But the other thing, and, and this this is something too that has just has stuck with me as sort of a uh, it's just a highlight of of how folks in West Virginia think about the world. West Virginia annually sponsors something called the National Youth Science Camp. And at some point, you all might want to do a, a, a focused uh, show on that because it's an amazing program put on every year and paid for by the state of West Virginia. And the state invites two graduating high school seniors uh, from each state around the country, puts them together up in uh, the mountains of West Virginia for a few weeks. Uh, everybody does you know, hiking and backpacking and gets to know each other. And so I got to, I was one of the two delegates uh, from West Virginia that year when I graduated from high school. And I got to meet a lot of folks who were going to different universities, but I got to meet some folks who were going to MIT. So at least I arrived there knowing somebody. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that was absolutely wonderful. So, um, you know, I, 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 I've often thought about, okay, how does, you know, someone, you know, coming from West Virginia make it at MIT, but all the, <laughs> all the seeds were planted to mm -hmm. enable me to be successful. And I'm, I'm just, uh, as I said, eternally grateful for, for that background. But yeah, I'm an engineer um, and I showed up at MIT. Actually, I showed up at MIT knowing that I wanted to work in the space arena. Okay. And I, I was born in, the 19, in 1961. And so when I was a young person, you know, the Apollo program captured everybody's imagination. I was completely sucked into that. Um, and by the time it came time to go off to college, I knew I wanted to work in space, but I didn't know if I wanted to work on the science side or the engineering side. And so when I first arrived at MIT, I was sort of going back and forth between astrophysics or engineering. And uh, I, I remember clearly talking with my dad as I got near the end of that first semester, because you kind of have to call it, you know, to, to, to take the curriculum. And he basically said, why are you spending any time worried about this? You've been taking things apart and putting them back together since you were a little kid. Um, you're an engineer. <laughs> just realize that. Yeah. And he was right. And so I just focused in on that and, and uh, have enjoyed uh, having an, an engineering training and an engineering perspective throughout my career. And then, so you had West Heads West, right? So after, so after <laughs> MIT, you, you got to California. What, what company that was, it was not Northrop Grumman. They were later, if I'm the timeline later, they were later maybe acquired by Northrop. What was it, the work that you immediately right out of college, you're an engineer, you felt like, okay, I can conquer the world now. What was that first experience like on the job um, working? Well, I, I first went to work for uh, an organization called the Aerospace Corporation. And aerospace is an entity that was set up by the federal government to bring engineering support to the Air Force space program. So this was in the, you know, the very early 1980s, right during the Reagan defense buildup, massive investments going into national security space. And I decided that's what I wanted to do. Got a, a nice job offer from now to Los Angeles to start working at aerospace. And I worked there for a number of years. And then uh, around 1987, I moved over to TRW. They had a very large facility called Space Park, it's kind of a, a great name, Space Park, <laughs> yeah. uh, where they had attracted just uh, some absolutely amazing engineering talent from around the country to work on the nation's space program. And I moved over to, to TRW in, in 87 and stayed with TRW for the, for the remainder. TRW was eventually acquired by Northrop in 2002. And okay. so that's how I ended up at Northrop. And then years later, you end up moving uh, part of the company to Virginia. Is that kind of where the reuniting happened? Or was this before? When did you two ultimately kind of meet back up? 
you know, later well, we, in life. We stayed connected all those years after after the banana ice cream at Chico's. <laughs> um, you know, I was often traveling to uh, Washington, D.C. on business. And so I'd always you know, make the trip over to West Virginia. And Natalie gotcha. would, would come fly out to see me in gotcha, California. Gotcha. And yeah. so we uh, you know, stayed connected all those years and got, got married in uh, 91. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you were yeah. married the whole time. So then Natalie, you were building out your career within nurse, right? So did you, you graduated and then you, did you go directly into like a hospital setting or what was your first kind of professional leap? I did. I worked at Chestnut Ridge hospital, um, at the university there. And, um, while I was at work, I decided that it would probably be a good idea to go ahead and pursue a master's degree. Um, like I said, WVU is just a great place to get an education. Mm -hmm. So while I was working at the hospital, I was able to get my master's degree and Wes was getting a little, little impatient waiting on me um, (laughs) to, to come on out West and, and join our lives up together and not have a long distance thing going on for much longer. So after I graduated with that degree, that's, that's when we finally um, decided that, yeah, we, we probably ought to live on the same side of the country at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. And then we gotcha. actually ended up living not in the country when right after we got married, uh, I uh, took an assignment in Australia. Oh, and wow. so Natalie and I, just within weeks of getting married, moved to Australia and okay. lived there for a little more than a year. Now, did you meet any West Virginians there? Because I feel like anywhere you go, (laughs) there's someone like, oh, yeah, I'm from Parkersburg. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Everybody, no matter where you go in the world, knows country roads. So you've got instant friends. Um, There's nothing like I I was fortunate to travel with Wes once to, well, actually twice to Germany. And it was during Oktoberfest. And I am telling you everybody in Germany knows the words to country roads. <laughs> Same thing yeah. in Australia. Hey, what is up guys? Cooper here. Um, you know, it's a great day to be a mountaineer wherever you may be as Tony Caridi likes to say, but just wanted to give us a little breather here and remind you that if you are enjoying the podcast to simply go over to Apple and leave us a review, leave us a rating, maybe give us a subscription because that helps us and it helps more West Virginians more importantly, see the podcast and hear these amazing stories of people like Wes and Natalie. So we appreciate that great. Um, and if you're also in the mood, you're searching around the internet, won't you hop on over to mountaineermedia.org. Now that is our home base for everything. You'll be able to get blogs, merchandise, updates on the podcast, everything you want from mountaineermedia.org. You can sign up for the newsletter, which gets you discount codes. That's really, really our home base for everything. You know, our blog team is working overtime. We've got people hiking We've got people blogging about the foster care crisis in West Virginia. Shout out to Mackenzie Holdren, our new blogger. Johnny McFadden, as you heard earlier in the episode, just put out the state of the state for the cannabis industry in West Virginia. So a lot of good things are happening. They're working their butts off for that. So we're super proud of them. Um, and as always, the merchandise, the Cardinal Collection, you can get it right now. we got hats. we got shirts. we got coffee mugs. We appreciate that. Again, that helps all the money we literally make. We haven't taken a dollar out of this. We've put it right Right back into the podcast and we're really really trying to invest in this podcast because we're seeing the great work that it's doing people are, are i think having a little bit more pride about themselves we get all these messages and dms saying that you know like they're proud of us but really it's a reflection of all these amazing people that we have on and we get to hear their stories but we all know it's a reflection of the 1.8 million west virginians out there that are just an incredible hospitable the most hardworking, friendly people you'll ever meet is, uh, you know, those are the folks from West Virginia. So thank you so much for listening. As always, uh, hopefully this gave you a little moment to catch your you know breath, take a break. If you're in the car, maybe you're cooking dinner. Um, we appreciate you so much, but let's get right back to the episode right now with Wes and Natalie Bush right now. Okay. So then you do end up moving back East. And I think what's so cool between you two is in terms of what's going on right now between uh, defense and health, uh, you want to talk about two people that are very intertwined with what's going on in you know the world right now. You too definitely have a good feeling of of where you know what's going on throughout the world. Um, maybe just your take on on how things have changed with COVID and how both of your industries have kind of changed. 
Yeah, go ahead, Natalie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. COVID definitely has um, rocked all of our worlds in, in so many ways. Um, so my work right now, um, I, I think probably one of the biggest projects that I'm working on has to do with mental health and resiliency with school-age kids. And it, it's been a, a really hard time, especially for two different segments of our society with school-age children, um, folks that are really impoverished and um, in low-income brackets, and also kids that are in very, very high achieving high-income type brackets. And there seems to be a lot of parallels with um, a lack of resiliency and being able to cope with things. And with my work, on these projects, one of the things I'm trying to bring into that are a lot of the lessons that I've learned over the years in West Virginia. And the almost innate ability of folks in West Virginia to be resilient. Mm -hmm. they, they've had so many things um, over a really long span of years that different, different struggles, different challenges to face. But there is this this grit, this tenacity, this resiliency that allows them to deal with these setbacks and figure out another way. And I'm, I'm trying to bring those lessons learned from West Virginia to some of the work that I'm doing today with young people. Um, so maybe that's a little bit of a different take on, on the COVID-19 response. There, there's some classic things too, as far as vaccinations and what oh, yeah. you might expect a nurse to be helping with. But I think um, some of the most important things, like I said, are the, the lessons that I've learned growing up in West Virginia and how those lessons can be helpful to other segments of our society. Well, that's, that's a great point, Natalie, because I think what we've seen, you know, West Virginia is leading, I think it's like the world in vaccinations, not only like, not only just America, but like the world in vaccination rates. Um, but I can't help but think that's a coincidence. Yes, it has to do with technology and, you know, like deploying of resources, but it just seems like it's a reflection of the culture of the people too. Like, you know, there's a crisis, like we're going to step up and figure this out, right? We're, we're all kind of like almost like a family oriented type of culture where it's like, we're going to try to take care of the ones that, you know, we know, you know, are close to us. You're absolutely right, Cooper. Um, the attitude about, hey, this is our community. What resources do we have in our community to get this job done? Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're, we're going to look at small pharmacies. We're going to mm -hmm. look at other resources. We're going to go to the people where they are and not expect them to be coming to us or be able to utilize um, maybe technologies that not everybody has available. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I think you're right. The whole world can look at West Virginia as a model about how to be successful in not only the vaccination process, but just in caring for, for the citizens of your, your area. Right. And just to touch on that for another second, mental health through all of this has become such a major issue. Um, we just had Dr. Patrice Harris, who was former president of the AMA on, and she talked about the need. She's a psychiatrist, excuse me, <clears throat> and she talked about the need for mental health during this crisis as well. I'm sure that you've seen how important that is, and, and you've tried to relay that information as much as possible as well. Absolutely. And um, once again, hearkening back to, to things that I, that I learned growing up there, people want to be seen and heard. Um, it's important for them to be able to share their stories and experiences, just like even through the special music of Appalachia and West Virginia, we, that's, that's a cultural norm for us. And taking that, like I said, to, to our young folks to help with being able to express themselves and have other people see and hear them in a mental health perspective could be a game changer in so many ways. No, no, absolutely. Um, now, and what's speaking of like West Virginia cultures and, and norms that you've, you know, you grew up obviously in the culture, how do you feel like that applied to your very, very technical work with like, you know, technology and, and machinery and building and defense contracting? And can you feel like you had any, any parallels like that Natalie shared, like from that West Virginia almost upbringing and culture aspect? Absolutely. 
And, you know, no matter what you end up doing, whether you're working with, uh, you know, advanced technology, machinery, or, or wherever it is, it's actually, that's what it comes down to, the success of any enterprise. You know, clearly you've got to have the capacity to deal with advanced technologies. You've got to figure out how to capitalize things so that you can manufacture. And, but, but the end of it is people and making sure that you're creating a culture, that you're creating a work environment that enables people to do great things. And for me, again, you know, that's, that's something that, that I hearken back on from you know, all those lessons from West Virginia. The, the, the most important of those lessons is the, the willingness to work hard. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, Natalie talked about it earlier in terms of resiliency the focus on, okay, this is what we're going to get done. We're going to get it done, mm-hmm. whatever it is. We're, we're just going to get it done. And so that, that value of, of hard work and the tenacity to just work through issues and work through problems, um, that's, that's something that uh, you know, I think any, any person that, that has the good fortune to get that sort of hammered into them early in life is, but you know, there's another aspect of it too that that uh, I would I would mention. Um, as you advance in your career and you think about what you do every day, mm-hmm. you make decisions. You make a lot of decisions, and and kind of the further along the path you get in your, in your career, you're making business decisions. You're making decisions about people. Uh, you're making decisions that impact outcomes for your customers. It's it's like this constant stream of decision making that that you're that you're dealing with every day, and you know of course naturally as an engineer I'm very facts based and so mm-hmm. you know you you get all the facts you can before you you make a a decision, but it turns out that the facts often lead you into what I would call a decision space, not a particular outcome or a particular decision. And when you get down to that point of, of having to call something, particularly the things that are really difficult, the harder decisions, having clarity about your own values and, and the things that drive your, your thinking, that enable you to make the harder decisions, that, that is incredibly helpful because not only does it help you make better decisions when you have clarity on values, it actually helps you explain your decisions to your team. Mm-hmm. And to engage everyone, because a, a key facet of leadership is the ability to talk about the why. Why yep. are we doing what we're doing? And when you can ground that in values, you are able to connect a team and to really enhance the outcomes for everybody. So I, I again, you know, I, I, I think about that the, the set of values that that uh, you know when when you grow up in West Virginia. There are so many things that, that sort of come with that. You develop and, and understand the importance of respecting others and just you know the basics of decency and, and how you interact. You, you tend to value things that are um, good for kind of the, a greater good, not just a small group. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's always that sense of, of uh, is this actually something that's gonna be good for kind of the, the the broader team, the, the organization, or, you know, the customers that you're serving, not just, is it good for, you know, the, the group of folks that are working on it. And there's, there's also just a strong sense of ethics in, in West Virginia and transparency about that, that I think is, is fundamental to the, the way you approach the world and, and the way you call it when you get to a, a more difficult decision. So, you know, that, that's a part of, of uh, kind of uh, the background that, that we all share that it, it comes out in different ways, but it, it comes out, you know, Natalie was talking about healthcare, I can talk about manufacturing, it comes out in just about all the facets of life because you're dealing with people mm-hmm. and you're, you're making decisions that come back to, the, to your own values. So those are really important things and having clarity about them serves you really well over time. It's such a great point too. I think as we increasingly get, you know, to be a more of a 
like the the future quote unquote future in a, in a tech oriented world but like having your decision making processes clear to yourself and like in, like West Virginians we always talk about these things that just feel natural to us but I think if you're a young person listening to this if you could like write down those what you feel like are your West Virginia values and how that guides you um, that would really really help you make those decisions and like you mentioned um, you know you have to have good processes processes and all the facts based stuff it reminds me of like one of my favorite books is Principles by Ray Dalio. I mean, he's maybe one of the most famous person for writing everything down and what guides his decision-making. Um, I think that speaks a lot for West Virginia is we want to enter a new tech, more forward kind of progressive business culture in West Virginia with like things like the Virgin Hyperloop and you know, all these right. new technological investments. Like we want that type of stuff, but we want West Virginians to be a part of it and we want West Virginians to lead it and manage it. And I think that's honestly like a perfect storm for what we just kind of talked about. Like we can be that place, but also we've got incredible people that can make those decisions that not robots can make, not AI can make, but only humans with good values can make. Cooper, you're so right. And, you know, I think oftentimes when people think about change and, and that's what you're talking about, you're talking mm -hmm. about change and, you know, West Virginia's economy is naturally going to have to change as we move forward in time and, and you know, have a, an engagement with different uh, technologies and, and parts of, of the economy that continue to shape and move forward. But oftentimes when we talk about that kind of change, it's a little bit frightening because people think that that just means taking whatever that new thing is and having to deal with it. But the reality is you're most successful when you make it yours and you adapt it to you and to your environment and, and what you want to do with it. So we don't need to lose our values as West Virginians to adopt change. Mm -hmm. In fact, we're gonna be more successful if we have clarity about those values, we adhere to those values and we take whatever it is, whatever direction it is that we wanna go and make it ours. That's mm -hmm. to me, the kind of the, the, the forward looking approach that I think is gonna be important because we won't be successful, you know, with a, with a new vector for the economy over time in West Virginia, if it comes across and people feel like that means we're having to give up who we are. That's unacceptable. And, and there's right. no reason we should approach it that way. We should approach it as we have a firm commitment to who we are and to our values. And the new things that we're going to do, we're going to do in the context of those values and, and of who we are. And I think that's how the state will continue to move forward and, and will be successful in the future. I, I think this raises a great point as to why we've, Cooper and I and, and Mason Jack, who's on the production side of this, has this podcast has allowed us to, to meet so many incredible people, you two certainly included in that bunch, but I think it goes back to your point, West Virginians do have those early defined values that ends up putting them in positions and in leadership positions and management positions that ultimately have them running teams and, and, and task forces and whatnot, but it goes back to this point, clearly defined values from early on, and, and it's not so much about uh, changing what's in here to to make this better it's it's how can i use what i've already established and learned to make this better you know and you two certainly are, are uh, great definitions to that great examples to that so it's it's yeah it's been awesome yeah this this has been great and and so um kind of talking about i, I know that something that was in the news here recently involved with north grumman was the 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 building and the launching of um i the, the Catherine Johnson, SS Catherine Johnson, um, which was, was pretty cool. Did, um, Wes, did you have any, do you, do you know much about that? That was, I think it was built in West Virginia, correct? And then it was um, launched out of Virginia and, and sent to the International Space Station, donning the name of one of the greatest West Virginians ever. Absolutely. Yep. Now there's, I tell you, there's so many sources of pride that come from working in, in the uh, defense and, and aerospace industry, because we get to do all these cool things. And then it gets even better when, you know, a great name gets attached to something yeah, yeah. cool that gets done. And it's, uh, you know, I, I didn't get a chance to say much about, uh, the, you know, the work in the defense industry itself. And I would just add, you know, that having had a chance to do that over, over many years, I've met a lot of great West Virginians who naturally migrate to work in the defense space. And part of the value of doing that is you have clarity of mission, you know why you're doing what you're doing, mm -hmm. and you get to serve a great customer, you know, the, the folks who have signed up to defend our nation. 
Um, but you also just get to do some really fun things. And, you know, there's, I think there's a part of, of being West Virginian that you, you just are naturally drawn to the, to the roles that enable you to, to uh, enjoy, genuinely enjoy what you're doing. And the, the, the defense world and the aerospace world, you know, particularly on, on projects like you were just mentioning, there's just a lot of personal satisfaction that you get when you build something. And then you know, particularly on the space side, you launch it and you get it in outer space and you see it work. It's kind of hard to beat that. That's a, you get a real high off of that. So it, yeah, certainly. You, 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 you tend to, to run into West Virginians in, in doing that. And, and, and Ellie, when you look back, you know, you're, you're still working your career, you know, because our listeners, just knowing our listeners are mostly folks that are probably in their like upper 20s, 30s, 40s. They, they look, they probably hear this, they look at you too. Wow, you know, they're very, very accomplished folks. And I think it's important that we tell these stories because you guys are West Virginians. This is like, and every time we talk to people that are, we've talked to U.S. senators, we've had CEOs, Pulitzer Prize winners. West Virginians have a funny way of just once, once we get to, to, you know, see each other, we just simply talk like we've always known each other. Mm-hmm. How have you noticed in your career um, and maybe what advice would you give to young people when navigating, like just bouncing with like leadership councils and boards and, you know, just trying to make it in your own career. Is there anything maybe that lessons that you've learned throughout that journey? Absolutely. Um, I would just tie in with what Wes has been talking about values. Um, and being who you are, um, and being proud of who you are and where you're from. Because we all know being from West Virginia, there, there's folks that, that might not understand and not have the same perspective that we do. Mm-hmm. So always be proud of where you're from and, and, and what you've learned there and take that into whatever you do to make things better. So the values of having strong ethics, a strong connection to family, a strong connection to people in my community, a strong connection to doing what's right for the land or resources, mm-hmm. um, and and always having a, um, a a budget consciousness focus with that. So people in West Virginia know how to how to utilize every single last scrappy. resource. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're scrappy that way. And when you can take that into, um, even if it's, if it's for a nonprofit setting, it doesn't necessarily have to be a business setting, that brings value to the organizations. So mm-hmm. I would encourage folks to take advantage of the opportunities that West Virginia provides as far as education. Um, Take it out into the world, wherever that might lead you, but always remember that you're going to have those roots that tie you to West Virginia. Mm-hmm. I, I've been fortunate to, to remain connected in, in lots of different ways with, with work at the university, with the School of Nursing, um, with the people there, even though I've you know, gone halfway around the world to Australia and back. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, do you, what's, what's on the future? Are you, are you excited about anything you're currently working on? I, I know you still do a lot of the work with, with WU Medicine, but is there anything in particular that you guys are mostly excited about? I'm super excited about um, my connections with WVU School of Nursing and the foundation board. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's a way that, um, like I said, I, I feel so grateful for the education that I got there and, and the value of that education. I want to go out and make pathways for other young people to utilize the university and the the way that I was able to utilize the university. Mm-hmm. So feel so fortunate to be connected with those two organizations and, and be working with our young people to, to provide those opportunities for them. Shape the future because mount, Mountaineers can certainly do it. And, and yeah. Wes, when, when you look out, what, what do you see next in this stage of your career, maybe for yourself, for West Virginia? Like where, where are you at with um, your goals and visions? Natalie and I are both very focused on using our, our time and our energy and our experiences to, to help other organizations that we find can really create value in the world around us. So um, we're both very involved in education. Uh, it's, uh, it's a delight to be able to help universities and to help young folks who are working their way down that path. 
Uh, I serve on a number of corporate boards and you know bring my experiences in business to to trying to to help in in those areas. I, I'm particularly interested in organizations that are um, manufacturing focused, you know, because I think there's a, a a lot that our country can continue to benefit from by being strong in manufacturing, and of course companies that have a, a high end technology focus. You know, it's to me, one of the most important things that, that we as a nation continue to be at the front end of technology to, to ensure that our capacity to navigate the, the future of our planet is, is right front and center and that we're not going to be in a position where others are making those decisions. Wes, I, I want to ask, um, you had talked a little bit about, uh, you know, the, some of the things going on in, in your horizon. How have you seen maybe defense change and now turning into more of like this, the space race kind of thing. Um, we, we had Homer Hickam on not too long ago, and, and but his, his point uh, about the next generation of the space race is not so much China, Russia, and the United States. It's more about, it's, it's kind of more of a privatized thing now. How have you seen that change over, over the years and, and what's kind of the next for space related travel and, and, you know, going to Mars and colonizing the moon and, and whatnot. How, how have things changed from that standpoint? It's an incredibly exciting time on the, the space front. You know, we're, we're experiencing kind of a renewal of the focus on space. Yeah, I'm, you know, I mentioned earlier, you know, growing up in the 60s and, and the 70s, we were all caught up in it. You know, the, the, uh, the moonshot, you know, mm -hmm. the, the landings, the, all of the science and the engineering that went into that. And from a sort of a public eye standpoint, the, uh, you know, after, after we stopped going to the moon, there were, I think, a lot of folks who sort of forgot that we were so involved in space. And yet, the, many of the technological advantages that we have today are the result of the investments the nation has made over all these years in space. You know, when, when the GPS first came out and on a commercial basis and, and people began to use it, I was always amused by the number of folks who would think that it was just something in their phone, that they didn't realize it was a satellite system right. that was actually yeah. telling them where they are. And, and it was just space sort of moved into the background for a number of years. But then we started having successful landings on Mars with the, the whole series of rovers. And I don't know if you had a chance to, to see the most recent landing with mm -hmm. Perseverance. It was just mm -hmm. as exciting as could be to me to see that. I mean, it's just, a, again, a reflection of American technological prowess that we can send that type of capability that far and not only set it down, but have all the sensors and feedback so that we, we, we all get to see and, and be a part of that experience with it. But that, 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 I think, sort of uh, reawakened a lot of folks around the importance of space. And at the same time, we've had this development, ongoing development, as, as you mentioned, about uh, the private investments in space. You know, for a long time, space was just so crazy expensive that only the U.S. government had the financial capacity to possibly put anything in orbit. But that's changed, and uh, with new technologies, you know, we're at a different cost point, uh, and we're at a very different point in terms of both the capabilities and the risk profile for for taking some of this on. So the private space industry is growing. I think it has a great future, and I just I absolutely love that it's brought back this uh, this energy and and this commitment in our nation to being leaders in space. And I think there's going to be a heck of a lot of new opportunities for young people who want to participate in some way in the space programs as we go forward. And it'll do a lot of good for them, do a lot of good for our country. And it's an exciting time. Yeah. Good. I was going to say, we actually had, um, like, we did have Homer Hickam on, and he spoke about that. He thinks we should be focused on the moon. He wants to yeah, go to the moon. that was a different um, take. Yeah. He said he wants to go to the moon and Elon, he'll, he'll let Elon go to, <laughs> yeah, go to about Mars. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The problem with going to Mars is actually getting back. Right. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah. That's the hard part with Mars. So the moon is a good place to, uh, to go and come back to at least with right. you know, our current <laughs> yeah. capabilities. So yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm with Homer on that one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Good. I, I would want to come back. <laughs> when two West Virginians are on that, I'm, I'm all about it now. Yeah. Well, we also had, um, I don't know if you're familiar with her name is Emily Calandrelli. She's a West Virginia engineer and graduate and she's gone on to be like a Netflix star she's done stuff with like Bill Nye the science guy um, you know she's she's done a great job I think of of 
talking about very, very complex stuff to and like communicating that directly with West Virginia. She's very proud of her West Virginia heritage and whatnot. Uh, but you're right, Wes, it is kind of one of my favorite Elon Musk quotes is that he says that everything cannot be about solving like bad problems and just getting on with it. Like some stuff we just have to do. You have to wake up and believe that the future is bright. Like we have yeah. to do things that are not just, you know, problem oriented, but also just inspirational type stuff. And I think the fact that I could look on my iPhone and see the sun setting on Mars from like a live feed of a rover that even I don't know if sure hopefully that doesn't get lost on us how crazy that is um and inspiring that is to a lot of folks to to dream big and and that and to be leaned into the future and embrace it and uh I, I think both of you guys have kind of outlined that and the West Virginia people have that spirit amongst themselves to be you know the classic saying that what mountaineers go first mountaineers go first absolutely <laughs> Yep. I hope, and I hope West Virginia doesn't, I think oftentimes West Virginia does get trapped in this, not a small minded, but more of a narrow minded fact, like, you know, it's almost there's, there's so much, you know, stereotyping and, and stigma from the national perspective, oftentimes, you know, I'm not trying to stereotype the rest of the world as a whole, but I do think sometimes West Virginia needs a little, you know, push from behind, like, hey, go, you know, think big, dream big. And, and it's a welcome sight to see, you know, so many people doing that. So, well, it's um, a push, it's a push from ourselves, actually, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And, and, you know, I, Natalie used that word resiliency earlier. Mm -hmm. Those who are resilient realize that you don't wait around for other people to, to go get things done. And, you know, West Virginians pull themselves up by the bootstraps and go get it done. And that's, that's the opportunity that, that I think is ahead of us still. Well, thank you guys so much for, for joining us. We appreciate your time. I know you guys are busy people, um, but I think, you know, I really enjoy this conversation. So Wes and Natalie, appreciate it. Um, join the Mountaineer Media Podcast and, you know, CJ, Mason and I, we wish you the best moving forward and uh, hopefully maybe see you one day in, in West Virginia. I actually live in McLean, so maybe we'll get together in McLean sometime as well. Well, Coop awesome. and CJ, thank you for what you're doing. I think it's fabulous to have a series that focuses on West Virginia and the people from West Virginia. It was a great idea you had, and you're doing a great job of it. So thank well, you. It takes other people to want to do this as well. So, you thank know, you. thank you guys for taking some time. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to throw my thanks in there, too. Thanks yeah. for bringing the, the beauty and great things of West Virginia to other people's attention. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, yeah. guys. Okay, and that's going to do it for this first two-person interview on the Mountaineer Media Podcast. Thanks again for tuning in, and thanks again to Wes and Natalie for taking some time and hopping on. Very insightful. Really enjoyed that very thorough conversation about how they got to where they're at in life and how much West Virginia played a part into those journeys as well. Hey, make sure to go check out mountaineermedia.org right now. We've got some blogs up. Of course, the shop is still going. And everybody that buys something in the shop, we've got a little surprise for you. It's going to be pretty cool, at least we think, as we move into the, the end of winter and into the spring months. And as we start some of our projects back up, restart some of our projects back up. Wink, wink. For anybody that might know what I'm talking about, do something good, West Virginia. We've got something pretty cool in store. So if you go buy something right now at mountaineermedia.org, we promise we'll get back to you with a, a cool little side project that we're working on that you're going to be a part of as well. So, hey, again, we've always got something going on on the podcast, on all of our social platforms and mountaineermedia.org. But overall, thank you once again for staying with us and tuning in to this edition of the Mountaineer Media Podcast. Take care, guys.